MattCleric.com presents Episode 4 of Chasing the Dragon. Welcome to Episode 4 of Chasing the Dragon podcast about my first foray into Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, first edition. My name is Jason Wood. You may know me as the Mad Cleric, a past writer for MadAdventurers.com, and currently for my own site, MadCleric.com. This week we're going to talk about the effect of nostalgia on AD&D. My current project, Chasing the Dragon, is essentially an attempt to experience what was experienced by the first D&D players. In learning AD&D and playing all of Gygax's modules, I'm not simply chasing the dragon named Gary Gygax. I'm chasing the dragon with nostalgia, trying to get back to those experiences of the very first players. So to talk about that tonight, I've invited Jason Rush to join me as my guest on the podcast. Jason is a friend of mine who lives here in the New Orleans area, and he's going to be in my first AD&D group uh, starting this Friday night. Well, Jason, thanks for being here tonight. No problem. In my living room, That's staring at a computer. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your history with D&D, starting with your earliest memories of playing. Uh, well, I can uh, remember uh, being a kid uh, and uh, a friend of mine approaching me and saying, you know, there's this, this new game out there called D&D, and I'm thinking Monopoly or, uh, you know, Shoots and Ladders. And he said, no, no, you actually get into a character and you, you almost act it out uh, like a play. I said, well, that's, that sounds neat. I, I'd, I'd like to do that. Uh, so, uh, How old were you? Let's see, that would have made me about nine or ten years old. Uh, so um, I got into this group, and it was a group of kids, three kids. Uh, and uh, our DM was one of the kids' dads. Uh, and uh, looking back on my experience and, and having listened to your podcast, uh, my experience was very different uh, because we didn't really die that much. <laughs> and I think we didn't die because you had a dad who was having an opportunity to hang out with his son and his friends, and he wanted it to go well. Right. And, and, and the worst thing he could have done was to just kill himself in the first <laughs> session. So we, we tended to live. Now, there, there were a few deaths. And, and that, those just reinforced, I think, what he was already thinking because people cried. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one kid actually got up and, and left the house and, and yeah. went home and, and cried to his parents. So, uh, it was, it was a kinder, gentler D&D that I started out with. Uh, so. So when you think back on that, what do you really treasure from those early games? Like when, when you think of the nostalgia of AD&D, is it the, the taste of Mountain Dew in your mouth and the smell of pencil erasers? What is it that takes you back? Well, you know, what, what I liked about it was, um, you know, you, you collected action figures as a kid. And you, you'd set them up, and then you'd just kind of look at them. And, then, and some people would even, you know, have them shoot each other and then fall. But with D&D, it's like you actually got to breathe life into your, your, your toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what was really appealing to me as a, as a, as a kid. Uh, and um, and I've you know, role played off and on for the last, you know, 30 years, uh, and 45 or like 35 years. And, um, uh, no matter what I'm playing, be it Savage Worlds or uh, Warhammer or Star Wars RPG, Talislanta, anything, I always go back to that initial experience and kind of rethink and relive what happened to me in those AD&D games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I always go back to it. It's very nostalgic to me. Now, the last time I played it, I was probably in college, so we're talking 25 years ago since I played it, and that's why I was so excited uh, about what you're doing, because I've thought about doing the same sort of thing and getting a group going uh, 
but three kids, busy practice, you know, lots going on. DMing is very demanding, yeah. and I appreciate you doing it. <laughs> uh, but no, that's why I jumped on it. It's like, this is so awesome. I'm going to get to relive a part of my childhood. So what uh, versions of D&D have you played? So you start on AD&D, but what other, uh, what other uh, editions have you played since then? Let's see. I, I probably I have the second edition books. I don't have any specific recollection of playing it, so either I bought the books and just read them and enjoyed reading them and didn't play, or I played them and it just wasn't a very memorable mm-hmm. experience. The last edition I played was not the most recent one, but the one before that was what? The fourth, fourth edition. edition. Yeah, and that's when you and I met was playing fourth was edition. Fourth edition. And, and I found uh, fourth edition suffered from the uh, what goes on in the um, the... the MMO games, mm-hmm. you know, you had your and and I'm I'm drawing on terms that I've only overheard and I barely understand, but like you had your tank, you had your range guy, you had, you you were really pigeonholed in these roles that you had to have in order to function as a group, right? Uh, and uh, and that to me felt very uh, stale. Did you ever feel were there were there ever moments when you were playing Fourth Edition that you that you felt like you were playing the, the Dungeons and Dragons of your youth. No, uh, I, I mean I, enjoy, I enjoyed the role playing aspect of it, and, but the mechanics they just didn't appeal to me as much. Now, having gone back and read the books, they're they're the AD and D books. The AD and D books they're they're clunky in a good sort of way. I mean, you, the the um, I do like the way the more current editions had kind of a heterogeneous aspect to them, where all the classes. Um, had skills and, and, and abilities that kind of mirrored each other and, and were all in sync. Whereas if you look at the old edition, ADD is like, okay, well, he has infravision <laughs> and he has plus one with a sword. And, and he, it, so it's, it's not like skills that kind of are all in sync. It's like each class is its own little island yeah, unto it's itself. Radical discontinuity between classes and yeah. races and all that. Uh, but it, maybe it's not good um, from a, a, a game concept uh, standpoint. But for me, it's 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 what it's supposed to be. It's deity as it's supposed to be. So, so what are you? So <laughs> terrifyingly, I'm going to be DMing you and others who have played this before. Mm-hmm. So, what do you hope to get out of playing AD and D again in terms of enjoyment and nostalgia? I I, I really am not. I'm I'm telling this to all of you listeners. I'm really not going to try to murder everyone immediately, but I'm terrified as to what might happen with the roll of the dice. So, wh- what are you hoping to get out of uh, out of the game? Well, I, I, I'm not going to start crying and run to my parents' house That's if good. I die. That's good. So That's I've good. worked that out. <laughs> uh, but no, I, 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 your parents would be very confused. I think. That's a, that's a problem. I'll be like, you D&D character got killed? Okay, can I offer you a beer? No, uh, no. Uh, I, I just want to like relive that aspect of my childhood and crack open those books that I have had, I mean, for 35 years. I mean, that's a long time to have. I don't know if I own anything that, that's that, that I've had that long uh, uh, other than these books. Um, so, you know, getting to relive that experience is, is what I'm looking forward to. Uh, and, and hanging out with a new group of people and seeing how they interpret it and how they play it. Our, our, our ages are going to range from what? Who's our youngest person? Our youngest person in this group... Um, Not extremely young. I mean, probably in their... I may, I may be the youngest. You may be the youngest? Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm 32, so... Okay. How old is Chris? He's the same age as Okay, all right. So 32. Okay, so not not extremely young. Mm-hmm. You're not a millennial. 
I just te- barely am barely. a millennial. Okay, barely, barely millennial. Okay. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how what y'all think of the system, right. and if y'all say this is horrible, we ought to be just banging rocks together in a cave, you know. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. It, it feels to me serendipitous to be learning AD and D right now uh, because of a new show that recently released on Netflix called Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Now I'm only six episodes in, so no spoilers. No, no spoilers. Uh, don't ruin anything, but. Jason, you, you recommended the show to me, told me I would Fantastic love it. Show. I love it. My wife loves it. We are absolutely hooked on it. We're going to be watching it when Jason leaves tonight. So give a summary to our listeners and viewers. Uh, why should they be watching Stranger Things on Netflix? Well, I'll tell you from the perspective of a child of the 80s. Uh, I saw an advertisement for uh, Stranger Things on Facebook, uh, and I'm not, I don't even remember what it specifically was, but I immediately went and looked at it closely because it looked... Familiar but different. I was like, wait, is that from a movie I'd seen as a kid? Mm-hmm. Or and then I realized it was something new. And I thought to myself, gosh, has somebody actually made a show that celebrates the '80s? Uh, and sure enough, that's exactly what it was. I mean, the show's got elements of Poltergeist, Firestarter, um, The Thing, uh, ET in it, and it's all put together in um, in a very fresh way, but at the same time, very nostalgic way. And uh, for a child of the '80s, it's just fantastic. The only experience that I can say was similar would, would be uh, reading uh, the Ready Player One, which mm-hmm. is, is, again, a celebration of the 80s. Uh, and and that's, that's what's interesting about what you're doing, because um, Stranger Things starts off with three kids in 1983, and correct me if I'm wrong, yes, generally, and they're, they're 12 years old, which I was 12 years old in 1983, so I was... I, I was those kids. I can remember that back in those days, you could ride your bike all over your neighborhood. Your parents would let you. You didn't have a phone to call them at any time. But nonetheless, I mean, I would leave home before the sun came up, and I would come home at ten o'clock at night, and and I would maybe check in with them once. Uh, but we would just be in the woods chopping down trees, building dams, you know, all kinds of crazy things. I would leave the house with a machete. Uh, a BB gun, uh, a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, combat gear, and they were like, hey, okay, have a good time. Nowadays, you can't leave your front yard, <laughs> and you can't even have a slingshot. So that, that's a testament to why how things were a little bit different back then. But like I was saying, uh, Stranger Things starts off with a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, four kids down in the basement playing on, you know, with little miniatures and 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 Ready Player One does the same thing. I mean, it, very quickly into this book, Dungeons and Dragons is is pulled in. So it, it, so you, I've I've come to the conclusion that the '80s and Dungeons and Dragons very much kind of go together. I mean, that was kind of a geeky, nerdy subculture. Mm-hmm. But now, as it's having this kind of resurgence and this renaissance, D and D is very much associated with with the '80s. Well, that leads to my next question. You know, I think. Really, since around the time I started playing D and D, fourth edition, and then fifth edition was coming up. You know, I think with the onset of of games like World of Warcraft and other games, that people are are much more open to the fantasy genre. People are much more open to geek culture. Mm-hmm. But what do you think is bringing about this renaissance that you get a show like Stranger Things? And and, and for those of you who are listening, there is a D and D reference at least three times in the show. And if you're not like a fan of horror, like you're talking about the thing or Poltergeist, it's not a horror show. There, there, it's I would call it a 
Uh, it's kind of like an extended Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's it it, it feels like one part ET, one part uh, what's it? What was the other one I was thinking of earlier? Very very Firestar. Yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Um, with like a hint of Twin Peaks. Just a hint. Just a hint. It's not goofy like Twin Peaks, but they've just absolutely nailed that 80s genre. Mm-hmm. You'll love it. Watch it, please. But why, why is this coming out? And why are people playing Dungeons and Dragons more? And why is the, this 80s renaissance? Well, out? okay. Um, a couple of things. I think, um, a lot of the things that, that I did as a kid, which you were almost embarrassed to talk about, playing Dungeons and Dragons, reading comic books, it's, it, I mean, how many people went to Comic Con this year? How many thousands of dollars are being made at, at comic book movies now? Uh, you know, um, Lord of the Rings used to talk about The Hobbit in the 80s, and people were like, oh, gosh, he's talking about The Hobbit. It's like the nerd Bible. And meanwhile, you've got, you know, senior citizens showing up for the early release of, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies. So something about the, that sort of, um, that, that culture, those, those, uh, those stories, uh, that media is becoming more mainstream. Uh, so I think, um, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think, um, the eighties was also when you started to see technology really starting to come about. Uh, with Apple computers and, um, you know, in computers in general, they started to see, you know, cell phone technology and, and, and what are we, uh, everybody's glued to their phone these days. Uh, everybody's obsessed with technology. Well, that was kind of the, the birth of the beginning of that, that pervasive technology in our lives at all points connecting everybody to everybody. So the same way that I think people look back on like the Victorian age, uh, and, and want to role play and play, uh, play games in the Victorian age as being, cause it was the birth of electricity and, you know, modern science and medicine and things like that. I think the eighties are kind of starting to have that mm. same sort of, that same sort of attraction, uh, as being, uh, uh, it's, it's sort of a, the genesis of the kind of things we're reveling in today. And Ready Player One kind of touches on some of that stuff too, I think, doesn't it? Well, Ready Player One, in a nutshell, without giving too much away, and again, this I, 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 this this book really spoke to me because it's set in a world uh, where a fella who is my age um, uh, in the future is dying or has died. I can't remember exactly which, but he has created a virtual reality, uh, and um, he um, the world is in such a horrible state that people escape by plugging into this virtual reality. They essentially live their lives in this virtual reality. Well, the fellow that created it, who was basically my age, uh, he was a child of the 80s. So the 80s is, is, is reflected throughout this, um, uh, this virtual reality. And, and kids of the day, uh, love the 80s. So it takes place like, 20 or 30 years in the future, but the 80s is just, you people dress like the 80s, they listen to the music of the 80s, and it's all because of the, the creator of this virtual reality was a child of the 80s and, and included so much 80s references in the virtual reality. Well, he's, he's, he's dying, or he's died, I can't remember, like I said, uh, and he has essentially laid out a game that anyone can play in the world, and whoever completes the game first becomes the new owner of the virtual reality. And the game is all about the 80s. So, and, and kids, you know, I was, I was, I was playing, uh, in a role playing game a couple of years back and, um, this young high school girl was playing in it too. Uh, and she came in with some kind of t-shirt on. I can't remember what it was, but it was an eighties reference. And I was like, you know what that is? And she's like, well, I read Ready Player One. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like she was offended that I was even asking her, you know, if she knew what it was, but it, 
you know, in, in, in talking with her and talking with other young kids that are also playing games like this, you know, they'll say things like, well, did you see the Terminator in the theater? And I'm like, yeah, I did. Like, what was that like? I'm like, well, it's like watching on TV, except the screen's bigger. But it would, it would be kind of like somebody, I guess somebody who was a real movie buff, like appreciating the fact that somebody had seen like Gone in the Wind in, right. in, in a theater, yeah. you know, uh, and, and that would be really special to them. To me, it seems like it was just, you know, one day we said, hey, you want to see this Terminator movie? That's a big deal. But, but you played AD&D as a 12-year-old in 1983. Yes. So, I mean, I think there's something to that. I guess so. You know, I, I, I guess it's like... You it's know, like watching Terminator in a the theater. It, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, I guess it's like buying a Jimi Hendrix right. album or something, you know, like I, which is something that would excite me if I were to talk to somebody older than me. It's like, oh, you actually owned a vinyl <laughs> Hendrix album, you know, so I guess it's that same kind of thing. So do you feel like it's necessary for our listeners uh, to go back and to learn AD&D to recapture the nostalgia of early 80s gaming. Um, how, how can our listeners experience what you experienced? Well, I, you got to go, if, if you're a serious member, you can go put on some 80s music. So there's the 80s channel, which you're going to get kind of a lot, of, a lot of garbage there. You might get Rickroll. But you get First Wave, which, yeah, you'll get, you go listen to First Wave, which is kind of the offbeat 80s music. Uh, and like you said, you want to, you know, Drink some Mountain Dew and and you know some some Cheetos and put your phone away because you know you didn't have that. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't a little while after that you'd have the phone that looks right. like a brick and has the big antenna. But uh, and um, you know read Ready Player One, uh, watch Stranger <laughs> Things, uh, watch some of those great movies. Watch The Thing, watch E.T., watch Poltergeist, uh, and and uh, and really get a feeling uh, for what that that time period was like. Try to avoid the parachute pants. Try to avoid the vans, the OP shirts. Uh, don't dress like Cindy Lauper, please. Well, you know what? what uh, I was talking to Jeff Romo and Josh Brown on the first podcast. You know, they were saying, don't bother with AD&D First Edition. Just play Fifth Edition and update all the modules. Um, um, okay, so you're going you're to disagree. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I mean, these, those modules were made for this rule system, and I think... You, it, it, you wouldn't get the same experience at all. So shots fired across the bow, Jeff and Josh. Uh, we expect to see comments on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you're not on Twitter, are you? I think I yeah I get I, yeah I think so, but I don't know how to how yeah, it works. Child of the '80s here, yeah. not, not a millennial. Not, not. I talked to my 13 year old daughter on it. Needs I'm on Facebook, so <laughs> I, I got that. We're I mean, that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you think our listeners at the very least should should check it out and give it a shot? Yeah, I, I do because I mean you have to. It's like if you appreciate any kind of hobby, you uh, you have to go back to its roots and experience it, you know, from where it all started. And I mean, this is this is it. This is this is where uh, people got started in role playing. And to not play that, I think you do yourself a disservice. I think you know it's a great opportunity to see how it all got started and what it was like. And don't get me wrong, there's clunky stuff in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, but at the same time, it's it's really neat. Uh, you know, and, and it's funny because, and I talked to you about this, but um, it's funny how you look at things as an adult versus as a kid. Uh, because you know, I always played role playing. I wanted to play a different race. I didn't want to play a human. I wanted to play an elf or a dwarf because I'm human every day. Why would I want to play? You know, the whole idea is to do something different. And uh, so I always played elves, and, and, and during my, you know, the Tolkien experience, and and you know, elves always seemed neat to me in the in the Tolkien uh, in the Tolkien world. 
Uh, so I always played elves. Well, this time I cracked open the book, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be an elf. What am I going to be? I'm going to be a, maybe a fighter. And I was like, seventh level limit? <laughs> I don't remember that. I never, I ne never concerned me as a kid. Uh, either I didn't notice, I didn't care. I know we didn't. We never had a discussion about it. I mean, our DM never said, okay, we're removing level limits. Right. But that, as an adult, I was like, well, that's a real problem. <laughs> but from two standpoints, one... You know, when you're hitting seventh level as a fighter, elf fighter, and everybody else is continuing to get better, and you're just kind of sucking gas in the back now, <laughs> you've been this heroic elf all this time, that kind of stinks. And the other thing is, from a from a fluff standpoint, I mean, I, I think of role-playing, I think of Tolkien again, and I think of Elrond, and it's like, you know, how can you tell Elrond, you know, you've, you've been alive for 2,000 years, but you're stuck at seventh level, <laughs> whereas this guy has been around for 50 years, isn't and I, from a bluff stamp, it's like, what is that all about? So you know, it, it's funny what you look back on and uh, and 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 have interpret differently and have different concerns. So. Well, as Daniel Fisher pointed out to me on Twitter two weeks ago, uh, Gygax apparently did not like comparisons to Tolkien. Um, I don't know why, but he liked Tolkien. He liked his work. I mean, clearly there's an influence there, but. Yeah, he, he, he wanted his own thing. He wanted a hu he, he called it humanocentric, I think I call it like humanocentric world. Well and and, and that's uh, you know, getting the Greyhawk book out and flipping through that, like I was telling you earlier, you know, in, in the Tolkien world the elves lived here and the dwarves lived there and the humans lived here and everybody hated each other and they, you know, only rarely ventured into each other's realms. Whereas if you look at Greyhawk, you look at a typical city and it's like population two thousand elves, three thousand dwarves, so he from that standpoint, he definitely did something different. He yeah. mixed them all up. Uh, and, um, I mean, that's neater. It's convenient from a game standpoint because you would have to explain why this elf is coming out of his, you know, isolationist forest to come join this party. So I guess from a practical standpoint, it works. But it's definitely a different world than, the, than a Tolkien world yeah. from that standpoint. Well, that would be an interesting topic to talk about on a later podcast. That would, yeah. Which is a good segue. If any of you are listening and you have some questions thoughts, criticisms, or topics uh, that you would like to uh, bring up on a later podcast, feel free to tweet me at wood underscore Jason D. You can always post comments on madcleric.com, or you can even email me at jason at madcleric.com. Um, of course, we'd really appreciate an iTunes review from those of you who are listening. And this is, a, this is an important uh, little tip. You may want to get in on this. Okay. The first five listeners to review the podcast will get preference in an online AD&D campaign that I'm hoping to run this winter. Um, I don't know which module it will be, but it will be a Gygax module, AD&D. So you want to see the table, the online table. Uh, go ahead and review us on iTunes. We appreciate your review. Five stars are great. I mean, <laughs> if, if we have six people and five of us give us five stars and one gives us four, well, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens then. And more than anything, we appreciate you passing on the podcast to whomever you know that might be interested in trying AD&D or maybe they played back in the day and it would be a little nostalgia kick for them. Uh, we record these podcasts to inspire others to check out the system, so please pass it along. Uh, you got anything in closing, Jason? Well, I, I would I would love to, to have an invite back. Oh yeah, and, and it's, to uh, talk about 
kind of a, a post-mortem. Oh, yeah, you know, After we played, you know, mm-hmm. how it was different uh, and, you know, how you what you thought your experience was. And I think that would be that would be really fun. That would be awesome, man. Hopefully I, 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 won't, I won't die. Too soon. <laughs> I'll try my and best. And that case of beer I brought you, that, that's a bribe. So, no, that always helps. <laughs> like an iTunes review, that always helps. Well, thanks to all of you for listening once more. And remember, keep on chasing that dragon. in this episode of Chasing the Dragon. If you like our theme song, it's by the great band Lame Drivers. You can check out their music at lamedrivers.com.